The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hi, this is Steve. I've known for a long time that Giant, starring Rock Hudson, Elizabeth Taylor, and James Dean in his final film, was one of John's favorite movies. I probably would have known, even if we weren't friends, as I've heard him mention it often enough on the Top 10 podcast, of which I'm a proud subscriber. So it was really only a question of when we were going to do the film, not if, and when a discussion about the movie came up on Twitter, it seemed natural for us to jump right in. Of course, What John didn't know is that while he had seen Giant over and over again, I'd only seen it once, and I was just a kid at the time, so I had almost no memory of the film, and what I saw was far more complex, nuanced, and thought-provoking than I expected. Giant is a film about great wealth and great ambition. It's about family and the hopes, heartaches, disappointments, and transformations that all families experience. But most of all, Giant is about the great state of Texas and the price that goes along with that greatness. So if you haven't seen the film, don't forget you can buy or stream Giant along with every other film we've ever reviewed at our website, cinephiles.net. So, this week we begin our two-part exploration into one of John's all-time favorites, the epic story of land, cattle, oil, race, wealth, and jealousy that is George Stevens' Giant. I'm rich, baby. <laughs> I'm a rich you know. I'm a rich boy. Me, I'm gonna have more money than you ever thought you could have. You and all the rest, you stinking sons of Benedicts. <laughs> Welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. We explore its themes, the history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris. I am a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, my name is John Roca. I'm a voiceover artist, uh, host, writer, producer all over Los Angeles, and uh, very, very happy to be... Uh, talking about this movie with you, Steve, this is one of my favorite movies, and it randomly came up between a couple of sisters yeah. on Twitter who have, one is a is a, been a big fan of ours for a while, and the other one, she was trying to turn her into a convert, and she said, well, if they do Giant, and we had a back and forth with them on Twitter, and this next, next thing you know, we're doing Giant. Well, I've known you love this movie. I mean, this is the funny thing about... I think I might have known you loved it anyway, but then yeah. being a fan of the Top Ten show, yeah, yeah, this has come up. Oh yeah, a lot, Quite a few times, a yeah. lot. And yeah. so uh, I, I'm very curious to finally ask you the question: How did you first come to Giant? I remember seeing it on TCM one afternoon, maybe 15, 20 years ago, um, and I just was blown away by it because it's James Dean initially. Right. And then Liz Taylor in her prime, Rock Hudson yeah. in his prime, a young Dennis Hopper. Like there was just very young. Dennis very young. Hopper. There's Salminio. Yeah. There's so much to discover in this movie if you're a fan of film, fan of 
older film, a classic film, to go back and discover and see a time period when all these actors were either in their prime or were just about to enter, and then one tragically obviously dies before the film comes out and is posthumously nominated for an Oscar in James Dean. So all of it, and then it's three hours and 20 minutes, which is incredible, and there's no intermission like we have done in other epics that we've covered, Steve. It's just it was just so mind blowing to me as a fan of westerns first of all and then second of all as a fan of epics and then third of all as a fan of great movies with incredibly interesting stories and and like uh, that span numerous decades. Yeah, I mean this is literally a giant movie. Yeah, I mean, it's yes, a big movie. And by the way, I was looking into whether or not there was an intermission because normally, like I had a two disc DVD yeah. and it's split on either side, um, and normally it would say intermission. And so I went online to try to find out. I think there was an intermission. There was. Oh, yeah, I think it's there was not any of the copies, but it isn't in the copies that yeah. I've seen. Yeah, but I believe because someone said it was. You know, it's three hours and twenty minutes. People got to pee. Yeah, you know. So, um, but I think what I saw was that it was. An intermission so you saw it uh you said like 15 years ago yeah yeah right on, on, t- that. on tv i remember seeing it on tv and then i went to see it in the theater really these were this is one of those films that you have to really enjoy in a theater at a high end right uh a restoration right it's so beautiful yeah um what about you well brace yourself <laughs> no so i have seen it okay but i think i saw it maybe when i was 11 yeah so right and I had not seen it since. Wow. What? Until a couple of weeks ago wow. when I started working on it for this podcast. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny because, of course, I've known it was your, one of your favorites forever. And I, didn't, I hadn't watched it. I remembered stuff about it. Yeah. You know, it's one of those weird movies where it's like, oh, yeah, this happens. Oh, yeah. And I knew what it was about. And I knew the character. You know, and there were moments that I remembered. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot I did not remember. Yeah. It is very. And I think it's because I saw it when I was 11 or 12 or something. Right. And I couldn't appreciate the heavy stuff. That's in this movie. I didn't, I don't think I probably didn't get it. And so this was a very, you know, I have a very different, it's still fresh with me. Yeah. And and, and it's a weird thing to go, you know, because we're doing the podcast Mm -hmm. is it's not like I can watch it casually. Like I watched it. (laughs) I I watched it all again. So I've seen it twice now. Wow. Well, because I did went through it on the commentary track. Who's on the commentary track? It's uh, George Stevens' son. Oh, good. It's the screenwriter and then a film critic whose name I don't know. And George Stevens' son was actually on set he was he was there for it it's actually you know because commentary tracks that aren't the real people sometimes yeah. are can be hit or miss oh sure and this one actually was a pretty good one and there's a lot of documentaries so i watched all that stuff i've read a bunch wow. like I've, I've i've jumped in pretty deep <laughs> to giant yeah um but yeah it's, it's it's interesting coming to this movie late you know and this is and it's funny like the last one for me like this was judgment of nuremberg which oh, yeah. is one of your favorites that i had never seen and then i know uh we just did grapes of wrath yes which you had never seen never seen is that this you know sometimes this is going to happen on the show and it actually some ways makes it more interesting i agree and it makes it yeah. more fun yeah yeah you know and, and i think too because a lot of people listening to this show probably haven't seen giant and this is going to be maybe their first time going through this movie i hope so you know so so one thing that's going to happen i mean i'll do my regular job of sort of walking <laughs> us through the film but you know this movie way more than me so I i'm going to defer to you oh, sure a lot okay. um uh so let's do a little pre-production. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's based on uh, the book by Edna Ferber, mm-hmm. which I have never read. Yeah, uh, the book came out, I think, in '53. Okay, and this movie is in '56. Wow, that's fast. That yeah, is fast. for a big book. Yeah, which is interesting too, because again, we just talked about *Grapes of Wrath*. Same thing. That that book came out in. Uh, 36 or 37, the movie comes out in 1940. Right. You know, and the same is true of Gone with the Wind. So, which are these, these are huge, big, complicated stories that, man, they, Hollywood was eating those books up. Oh, yeah. It it was, uh, and it's, 
Steve, to make it such a quick turnaround and to to direct such a long move, to be able and allowed yeah. to be direct such a to direct such a long movie and and adaptation, yeah, and especially when it was based on people who were I think still alive at the time. Oh yeah, because Jet Rink is based on a particular uh, rags to riches story. That oil guy yeah. died in 1988. Wow. Yeah, I forget his name. I had it I have it somewhere in my notes. Wow. So but Jet yeah, it is, keeps living. Yeah. Um, he, yeah, he keeps going on. Yeah. Um, and one of the interesting things is Texas did not like this book. What a shock. They were opposed to this book, but they love this movie. Oh. So one of the interesting things is somehow the movie kind of makes them go, okay. Right. Um, and we'll maybe get into some of the reasons why that might, might not, why that might be, but there's some stuff in here that maybe isn't so nice about Texas. I agree. Um, and, uh. Uh, they bring in uh, George Stevens to direct, mm-hmm. and he's he's one of those sort of interesting. I would say, I don't want to call him second tier because he directed a lot of important films, mm-hmm. but he's not like you know Hitchcock and Capra and John Ford yeah. and those guys or Billy Wilder. But he directed Gunga Din, Diary of Anne Frank, uh, uh, Shane, Place in the Sun, yeah. uh, Greatest Story Ever Told. Um, I mean, these are you know some important films. Yeah, but he doesn't have a signature. No, you know like. Hitchcock has a signature. Yeah. All these great classics. John Ford has a signature. Yeah. You Billy don't really Wilder, catch Capra, yeah, Billy Wilder. Yeah. Absolutely, Capra. You don't have that with George Stevens, but he does. He does direct these powerful films yeah. that have a lot to say within yeah. them. And what I didn't realize is he's one of the other founders with Frank Capra of Liberty Films, which mm. is one of those attempts to move outside the studio system yeah. that makes a few films and then collapses. Right. Well. Um, and uh, the casting is really interesting. So I looked into, and maybe you know some of this already, of some of the people they were looking at for these roles. From what I heard, Rod Taylor was who they were looking at for possibly uh, for, for a role in the film as well. Uh, but I don't, I, I heard Grace Kelly was in contention yep. for the Elizabeth Taylor role. Yep. And Audrey Hepburn. And Audrey Hepburn as well. Yeah. And they both turned it down. <laughs> wow. And uh, Liz wanted it. See, I hear that uh, Stevens gave uh, Rock Hudson his choice, either Kelly or Taylor. Oh. And he chose Taylor. But uh, it could be the other that. way. You never, you know, that. these stories are legends, so you yeah. never really know the actual truth. But yeah, it wouldn't be surprised that uh, they turned it down and Taylor took it. Why not? Yeah. Well, and she was six months pregnant right what? before they start. Right. So, so they're what? she's six months pregnant. the sh- The movie is going to start shooting in six months. So she said, "Don't worry. Three months after I have the baby, I'll get back to my fighting weight and be ready to start shooting." So she had just had a baby three months before they start shooting on wow. this film. Wow. Yeah. Um, for for Rock Hudson's part, mm-hmm. Clark Gable, John Wayne. Let's see that. Oh, mm-hmm. William Holden. Holden, I could see. Holden, I could see the most. Yeah. Um, and and they go with Rock Hudson. Right. So you go with a twenty three year old Elizabeth Taylor. She's only twenty three. Twenty three. Good God. Yeah. Twenty nine year old Rock Hudson. He's only twenty nine. Twenty nine. That man is twenty nine in this movie. Yep. Wow. Well, and this is one of the because one of norm. I won't say normally. Back at this time, you would normally cast an older person. Sure, he looks thirty-five and 40. make him up, make him up younger. So because you're worried about them playing the older parts, and they cast these are all young people. Because then, of course, we get to Jet, who is described in the book as a big, burly, powerful man, and they were going after Alan Ladd. Mm, makes sense. And Robert Mitchum. Oh, oh, dude, Robert Mitchum in this movie is a completely different movie. Let's be clear. Anybody other than James Dean. Sure, sure. Fair because point. James Dean is unlike anybody else on the screen. Agreed. Ever. Yeah. Um, uh, and then East of Eden comes out. Uh, yeah. And they go, we got to cast this James Dean guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and he's 23. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and so we got to talk about James Dean. Yeah. Because this is a guy, you know, I don't know when we're going to roll back to one of the other James Dean films. There are only three of them. Maybe Rebel Without a Cause. I used to be, yeah. I don't know if it's one I'd want to talk, I'd want to tackle, but he, I mean, Rebel Without a Cause, certainly. Yeah. I, but I don't know. So, so this guy is an important figure. So I want to give a little bit of sure. biography of him. He was born in Indiana, moved to Santa Monica, which I didn't realize mm-hmm. uh, as a young man. And, uh, and his mom died when he was nine years old, uterine cancer. Um, and dad just couldn't handle him. So he sends him back to Indiana to work on a farm with his aunt and uncle. And at that time, uh, he became, got developed this really close relationship with a local pastor, Hmm. which is rumored that it might've been a sexual relationship. Um, and this is where his story and I have, there's tons of biographies on James Dean. I have not read a biography on James Dean. So there's a lot of detail here and there's a lot of, uh, Elizabeth Taylor says that he told her that he had been sexually abused. Oh, wow. Now, whether or not that's this pastor, I don't know, or someone else. Mm -hmm. And then there's also rumors that he was gay or bisexual. Um, And what's interesting, well, we'll get get to that in a sec. But clearly there's there's a lot of mystery about Mm -hmm. James Dean. He comes back to Santa Monica and rolls in UCLA studying acting. uh, Gets a couple of bit parts and stuff. He ends up, by the way, working as a valet parking cars right at CBS studios, right across the street from where we are now. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, so he was there parking cars until someone said, you need to go to New York and you need to get into the actor's studio. And he goes to New York and in 1951, he gets into the, or is it 51? Yeah, I think so. 51, he gets into the actor's studio. Uh, and this is obviously James Dean coming to the actor's studio. Yeah. This is an important moment in history. Yeah. Lando is there at this time. Eli Wallach is there at this yep. time. Uh, uh, Hopper, I think, is there at this time, and I think Mio. he hadn't been yet. He hadn't Hopper, been. Yet? Okay, Hopper okay. hadn't been. Okay. Hopper became. A, I think Hopper went because of meeting James Dean on Rebel Without a Cause. Um, that's my understanding. Um, and uh, and then he gets into some some TV roles and some commercials, and then that's when uh, Ellie Kazan is looking for someone for East of Eden, mm-hmm. and here's you should check out this James Dean guy. And his performance in East of Eden is amazing. All three of the films, man. Yeah, that's it's such a tragedy, brother. Yeah. All three of the films. And East of Eden's the only movie that came out while he was still alive. Yeah. That's just shocking to yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Because um, he makes East of Eden. As soon as that's done, he's off making Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah. Uh, East of Eden comes out, and then as soon as he's uh, done with Rebel Without a Cause, he shoots Giant. Yeah. And he dies before the filming is done in Giant. Yep. Um, and so he's nominated for two posthumous Oscars. That's insane. Yeah. For Rebel Without a Cause and for... For Giant. For Giant. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and we can't – he's one of those guys like, you know, Bruce Lee. Like, yeah. You know, like he's one of these people who the legend of him, cause, partially because he died so young, the, the potential of him, oh, yeah. it just haunts everything. And, and, the, and you know, what was, one thing I just found out is that Elvis Presley became a star right after James Dean died. Mm. And that Elvis Presley says that James Dean is a huge influence on Elvis. I could see that. David Bowie says that James Dean is a huge influence on. There's so many people who go, you know, who are who are changed by this guy. Yeah. And still. Know? And to this day. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of style, in terms of acting style and that also in terms of the characters he portrayed, this idea of the youth being left behind by the the parents or the older generation that cannot understand him yeah. or her. Right? right, he represents that youth that rebels because 
he, because people don't understand him, the people can't handle his sensitivity, his way, the way he views the world, how he takes things in. In all three of these movies, yeah. it's very prevalent. He's always searching in all three of these movies. He's an outsider. Yeah. And we yep. all From feel like outsiders. Yep. You know? Yep. And, and he plays flawed characters in all three of these mm -hmm. movies. He is complicated in all three. Mm -hmm. And he has a way of acting. I mean, I'll tell you, watching this movie, every time James Dean is on screen, the movie goes up three levels. And he's not doing it. He's doing it in this way, Steve, where he's not taking attention away by doing extra shit. He is organically doing what he's doing, and you can't take your eyes off him. No, he's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, shall we get into this film? Hell yes. Out there in Texas, we've got some cows, <laughs> and we got some big, big, giant titles. Yeah, man. Right from the beginning. And that great Dimitri Tjomkin, is that how you say his, yeah. his name? Uh, score comes up, uh, and we're like, oh, this is Texas. Right. This is big longhorns out in the big watering hole kind of Texas landscape. Yeah. And right as we introduce that, we go off into the opposite of Texas, mm -hmm. which is the green, lush fields of, uh, it's supposed to be Maryland. Right. Yeah, it's actually Virginia in the book. Yeah, it's Virginia in the shooting. Out, yeah. out, uh, they shot in Albemarle County. That's where they shot the... Right near Charlottesville. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I used to drive through Albemarle all the time. Yeah. Um, did you know that when you had seen it, that yes. it was shot there? Yeah. No, I knew it when I found out later. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and... Uh, and we're on a train coming in, mm -hmm. and we're looking out at a, like a fox hunt mm -hmm. <laughs> with all the traditional red, you know, fox hunting outfits. Yeah. And we got Rock Hudson, the cowboy, coming out, looking out the window at the fox hunt into the beautiful green, lush yeah. you know, Maryland hillside. And there's a great shot of him in silhouette as he gets off the train, and you see that briefcase with the brand and the cowboy hat and the boots and it's a really good opening to a movie. Oh yeah. That's how I come into the schmodown, just like that. Is the <laughs> I like now. You, well, no, we'll get to this question later. Is the outlaw more more Jet Rink or is the outlaw more Bick Bennett? <laughs> it's a combo of both. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> it's if, got if, a lot of stuff. If you put going Jet on. Rink in in Bink's body. That's what you get. Yeah, yeah. And he gets picked up by this guy who's a a doctor in a car. Yeah. And they're looking at this horse and this woman riding the horse. Yeah. Elizabeth Taylor. This is a very strange moment. <laughs> yeah. Right. Where he says, "Leslie's my daughter. She's riding him." Doctor, that sure is a beautiful animal. And is he talking about the horse or the woman? That's what's great about it. Yeah. And the dad himself can't figure out if he's talking yeah. about the horse or the because he says it a second time. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really what's interesting about this movie, there's a lot of sexy stuff going on in this movie. There's so much subtext in this movie, man. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And they do and it's not that subtle. Some some of it, yeah. <laughs> some of it is just like, yeah. Oh, they're having sex now. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Like, you know, I had, uh, I think I might have said that one of my teachers when I was in film school was Eddie Dimitrik. Oh yeah, and who's you know Hollywood ten and mm -hmm. you know old time director of this era. Yeah, you know, I would say he's kind of maybe he's even a little below the George Stevens level, but okay. still directed some big films. And one of the things he said is he said, you know, when they threw out the the Hayes Code, all you filmmakers got lazy. You know, because we had to come up with really good storytelling to, to, to indicate violence and sex and all this stuff. And that was that was where you had to be creative. You can just show a guy getting yeah. shot or show people having sex. Well, that's easy. Yeah, That was his point. Well, there's there's shades of that in Wonder Woman when when uh, uh, Diana Prince and Steve Rogers, after they've slow danced in the snow, 
go up in, and he walks into mm, the room. Yeah, totally. The door closes, and from a distance, the light goes out, and yep. you know what's going to happen. Right. It's very classy. Yeah. Um, we go up to the house. It's a beautiful old brick kind of colonial house that you have in that area. Drove by so many of these in my life. It's so it's so weird when I visit because I'm a California boy. Yeah. You know, going going to the to the south or going to the east and seeing all those houses, it's always strange to me. <laughs> um, and we find out that, of course, he's here to buy that horse mm-hmm. um, and that Leslie is a beautiful Liz Taylor and that she's been riding that horse and she's going to be leaving soon because she's getting married. Yeah. To a young Rod Taylor. And they're gonna and they're gonna go off to England and and uh, you know there's this choice of it's either Warwind or me something so someone has to go right and we get very quickly into this conversation about what is Texas mm-hmm. because Bick who is the Rock Hudson character he says you know is the horse gonna miss all this green land and they go well isn't Texas green and we already know <laughs> it's not You're right and and the way he talks about Texas is really interesting and I think this is why. Steve, the Texans love the movie because the way everybody in the movie from Texas talks about Texas, except for what is ultimately kind of the villain or the antagonist in the film, is lovingly and adoringly and with respect and reverence. Even when, throughout the whole movie, when Liz Taylor is trying to break these old conventions, they all still respect Texas, and they never try to disrespect her overtly or physically right. push her away or tell her to shut up. None of the Texans do anything that is well, overtly that mean until... Oh, which one are you referencing? That people aren't telling uh, Leslie to shut up? They're not. But they're they're doing... not. What I mean is not overtly. Okay. They're telling her, but not overtly, right? They're doing it in how they deem to be a courteous way. Right. How they deem it. Right. So I think I can totally understand why Texans would love the movie. Well, and... And, and know, the way it's shot as well. You, and we should say, I mean, it's funny. I'm not going to put any state over any other state. Sure, sure, sure. You're all lovely, wonderful states. <laughs> all 50 of you. But Texas is unique. It is. Because Texas was a country. For so many reasons. Yeah. yeah. I mean, te- when, so when he's talking about it as a country, yeah. well, Texas really was a con- its own country. Right. Texas is so big. Yeah. You know, compared to Maryland. Right. And we get into the size of Texas. We talk about like the big ranches and small ranches. So we got both big ranches and small ranches. <laughs> and they tra- and they start, the families start to get inquisitive yeah. about how just how big is your ranch. Mm-hmm. And dad says, oh, he's got one of the biggest. Hello. And <laughs> it's all subtext. It's all there. <laughs> I'll, let, I'll let all of you out there listening try to figure out what John's <laughs> subtext is in this moment. <laughs> But it is a big ranch. Uh, it is a big ranch. And he doesn't want to say. He is modest, one might say, oh, yes. about the size of his ranch. As you would be when you have a big ranch. And then finally, as they push him, it comes out that it's a, over a half a million acres. Yeah, because they're guessing extremely on the low side. Because they have no concept of that amount well, of they're, land. They're, they're guessing owned. what they think are high guesses. Right, because, 50, of, because of their access to, right. their, to their size of land. They have no concept of a, a state like Texas having hundreds of thousands of... Acres just to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as this number comes up, mom's whole attitude towards this guy changes. Oh, oh yeah. Because she's suddenly looking kind of greedy. Yeah. Um, and and it's interesting. There's so much going on between Leslie, Elizabeth Taylor's character, and Rock Hudson's character in this scene. There's so many looks. There's oh, yeah. so many little things. You know, this is, let's be clear, a love at first sight kind of movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, Bick and Leslie end up out on the porch. 
Uh, and he talks about, again, he talks about Riata, which is, is that how you say it? Riata? Yeah, Riata. Riata, which is the name of his ranch. Mm -hmm. That's where the R comes from. That's the brand on his briefcase. Mm -hmm. And you can see the love he has for this place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and you see, he, he's not the self-possessed man we find later, right? No. This is an interesting change. If fans are watching it for the first time or fans have seen it maybe once or twice before we talk about it, watch Rock Hudson's progression or remember Rock Hudson's progression of his character throughout the movie. In the beginning, he is kind of bent over at times from the shoulders because he's still not 100% his own man yet. He's young. He's got some headstrong ideas but even in this interaction with the uh, with Le uh, uh, Leslie's dad, he's not like trying to command the conversation or the attention. He's very humble in that way. He's respectful. He's courteous. That's as a Texan would be, right, in his mind. So, Well, I think part of that, too, at least the way I interpret it, yeah. is that he's very different when he's in Texas. Right, of course. When he's, when he's in this Maryland sure. old family, mm -hmm. you know, we haven't even talked about the servant, which is a really interesting, sure. you know, there's an African, older African-American servant. Yep. And what they do with him in the movie is very interesting. I, and I'm not quite sure that I get yeah, yeah. what's going on with this guy. Yeah. Because we have a character in Leslie who is what she's going to do when she gets in Texas is is that she's going to deal with the Mexican families in a way, in a human way that nobody in Texas right. is doing. Right. And so I go like, but this is also in Maryland. This is what year? What year is this starting? Nineteen eighteen? Yeah. Twenty something, something like, like that. that yeah. Because um, because they're they're going to have kids and the kids are going to end up World War Two age. Right. So it's like nineteen twenty. That servant is probably sixty. Sure. So he was born a slave, probably. Possibly. You know, mm -hmm. and this is an old Maryland family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but Maryland wasn't in the Confederacy. Maryland was in the Union. Oh, that's so true. There were, I'm sh there were slaves in the Union, absolutely on the Northern states, absolutely. But I think you never see him being talked down to, no, or disrespected, not at all. or in any way uh, 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 taken for granted, like we see the Mexican uh, servants get taken for granted uh, in Texas and uh, with Riata in right. Riata. Yeah. Well, that's so. 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 And, and and one of the things is you can tell with Rock Hudson that he's into this girl. Oh yeah, and he doesn't. There's sort of a how do I navigate yeah. this thing? How do I take her from this guy after yeah. I just showed up? I literally just showed up. <laughs> you know, is she going to want to go back to this place right, in Texas? Right. And he says, "Well, I got a train leaving early in the morning, so this is going to be goodbye." Right. And she doesn't. So she doesn't say goodbye to him exactly. Mm -hmm. He can't sleep that night. Of course not. She didn't sleep that night. She's up getting out books on Texas. Yeah. I don't know where you find these, but they didn't have the internet back in 1918. I don't know what books she's got about Texas. <laughs> they have a well-established library at the... Oh, yeah, at, true, I guess. When yeah. you have a big house at, uh, in Maryland, they have good libraries. Sure. Um, and as she's doing her little Texas research, in comes her sister. Yes. <laughs> who says, it's so funny how fast these kinds of things happen. Are you in love with him? Yes, I think so. <laughs> and then the next thing is, well... If you're not going to marry David Carfrey, will you give him to me? Yes. Now, good night. <laughs> He's like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we go to breakfast, and Leslie comes in, and she says, I've been reading about Texas mm -hmm. all night, and how you stole it from the Mexicans. She seeks to challenge him, man. Right off the bat. I mean, this is, and this lays the groundwork for this relationship for the rest of the movie. Right, and she has this moment with him later on in the movie, almost near the end of the movie, where they explain this. But like, this sets the tone. 
and he is turned on by it. He is angry and turned on by it. Yeah, but you yeah. know, when we find out later why, and to a degree, because we don't know about his parents. Right. Luz is a strong, tough sister. Oh, yeah. So to him, when he sees someone being sassy, he understands that, that uh, that's affection. He understands yeah. that's affection. Well, and she's challenging him, yes. though, at his most basic thing, which is Texas. Yeah. You know, because to him, he compares, you know, the Alamo to Valley Forge. Yeah. That's yeah, his, yeah. you know, that the, the Easterners don't understand, right. like, what this is, why this is our land, and yeah. the, the, that he, he and his family, you get the sense, fought for and took and 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 sacrificed to take this land yeah, yeah, yeah. now we're going to hear maybe some other sides <laughs> of yeah. what that actually is but oh, we yeah. see how he feels about it right. and it's very strong and then and then we get right into she calls him spoiled and his wife must be spoiling him you would think somebody had spoiled you terribly your wife or somebody i haven't any wife i live with my sister Ah, there it is. <laughs> Rafty. Her manipulation is really yeah. funny. Yeah. Why aren't you married, Jordan? Then it must be that neighbor that you're engaged to be married. <laughs> Mr. Benedict is probably engaged to marry the daughter of the adjoining ranch. Although beautiful, he's comparatively poor and only has 200,000 acres and half a million cows. And we hear there is, in fact, a neighbor. There is. But he's not marrying her. No. Um, and, and, and we could see exactly what she's doing. It is very, very clear. Well, and the thing is you can't forget is that Leslie is the son of rich people for Maryland, right? So she has a certain air of privilege already that oh, allows yeah. her to be this way without consequences. Like, the fact that she's just tossing off Rod Taylor like he's nothing, right, right when he was, like, probably just in her bed the night before, or at least had uh, uh, designs on her and she was aware of it. Well, they're engaged. Yeah, they'd be, they'd be plans. Yeah. And the fact that she was willing to toss Rod Taylor off and just run off with, with Bick is uh, just incredible, man. Um, so she's a great social justice warrior. You would say that, uh, what people call SJW nowadays, but she also was coming from a place of privilege a little bit. So, Well, that's why... That's why, the, the, that's that, why she's an interesting character. That's why that servant is so interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's important... And he's treated in a very human manner yes. throughout the film because we, we're going to come back to him a few times. Um, he has a couple of lines, but not very much, but his presence is very felt. Yes. In fact, there are a bunch of characters in this movie who have only minimal or no lines. Yeah. And yet their presence is really felt as people. Absolutely. And, and it's funny. One thing that I was thinking about quite a bit is a movie that I would like to see is all these other people. Oh, yeah, their lives. I would love sure. to see the lives of the people in the village and the light. That, that's sort of because I kept not, even though it's a three hour and 20 minute movie, yeah. I kept not getting enough of them. Yeah. You know, and this TV series. Right yeah, there. it really is. It really is. The train's going to leave soon. And so this is going to be goodbye. Yeah. Dad goes down to the car. I'll get the car. He's going to get the car. He's trying to make this all happy. He's trying to make, he's trying to get a bit out of there. And uh, he keeps dragging his feet because he's in love with Leslie. Yeah. And he doesn't want to leave. He knows he doesn't want to leave. And she knows he doesn't want to leave. Yeah. And, and he goes down and talks to Leslie. And there's just really some beautiful um, acting and filmmaking in scene. We hear the train whistle. We see them looking at each other. We see dad waiting in the car. We see the train going by. Yep. We're done. Yep. It's very well done. And then we see uh, her sister roll up and go, you're mine now. <laughs> Put her claim I think on. your sister would do really well in Texas, by the way. <laughs> she, I think she would fit right in. Yeah, right. Um, That's a very good point. Um, John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, 
Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, yeah, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. And then we're on a train. Yeah. And it was really funny, again, because I didn't remember the film. It's like, oh, I, I guess they're married. Yeah, they're married, dude. <laughs> it's a done deal. They're in a very nice sleeper car. Yes. Um, <laughs> in their, in their uh, sleeper uh, clothes. Clothes. Yeah. And it's, it's, she's looking out the window. Tell me when we get to Texas. We've been in Texas for eight hours. <laughs> right. Um, you, you've driven across Texas? I have, but not through the middle of Texas. I drove through the, the middle. Yeah, that's that. Uh, you're on the 10 on that one. Yeah. So I'm like, that's a 10-hour, 9-hour drive through Texas. Isn't we it? did it almost all in one night. Um, and it is, just goes on and on. And Texas is big. It's big. We, we went across the tip of it on 95, mm-hmm. and that was big enough. But it was incredible. The vibe is completely different. Once you roll into Texas, the look, the vibe, the feel of it is is just a whole other ballgame. And you get those random one-pump gas stations oh, yeah. in the middle of the road, uh, of the highway, rather. Yeah. And you're just like, this this actually exists yeah. still. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. Big state. And they're talking about, he's, you know, it's, like, it's been a lovely honeymoon. You can't say it's been dull, honey. That is... Uh... So far, anyway. <laughs> and then she turns off the light. And this is another one of those, like, we're going to have some sex now. We're going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> then, wake up, honey. We're here. Yeah. And she lifts up that, that curtain. That is a great film moment. Yep. And I think because we were in this really green, really lush thing, when she lifts up that screen and we see the empty, dusty, big land of Texas. Yeah. It is shocking yeah and and of course and so here's the interesting thing is the book starts in texas oh okay and spends a lot of time in texas and the decision they made making the movie is that they want us with leslie with elizabeth taylor's character in her experiencing texas for the first time and so therefore they're withholding texas and having a lot more of this green lush uh maryland landscape and then we are shocked with her as we show up in texas yeah it's a weird what's so weird to me about this is the idea of the really wealthy family mm-hmm. that lives 50 miles away from anybody else. Yeah. That is just one big, huge house in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Because if I were super rich, that's not where I'd want to be. Well, and this, here's the deal. This is back in the time where you have to get in one of those cars, and it, yeah. it, 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 it'll go 55 miles per yeah. hour. So if you 
have to go visit your neighbor. It's an all-day trip. Yeah, well, that's you got to start at 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. Well, and that's why I think we always have people that are staying over. Yeah. Because they're not going to drive back in the same day. You're right. So we drive up. We go through the big gate, and we see that R as we go into Rietta. Well, I don't want to skip over this part where, where Rock Hudson is a bit dismissive of the person that picks right. them up. You're absolutely right. right. The, really the, important. This lets you know the way he treats his Mexican servants or people. And he says... And I, of course, as being a native Spanish speaker, I understand everything Rock Hudson says here to him. It's not like good. He says, why are you late? You're always late. I'm tired of dealing with this with you. Yeah. He says this to him in Spanish as his first meeting to him. And, you know, uh, uh, Liz Taylor was so much kinder, so much more nicer. This, once again, lays the groundwork of how these relationships are going to go as the film progresses. So you see Rock, uh, his character is going to treat the Mexicans in a terrible way. And Liz is going to treat them in a way that's humane. Well, this is the thing that I was struggling with in watching the movie, and mm. I'm curious of what your thoughts are, yeah. is that how do you feel about Big Benedict? I think he is America. He is symbolic of America throughout the whole movie. He is symbolic. This, this is how they treated them. She is progress. She's the progressive. Right. He is America. She is the change that's coming. And you can't ignore the time when this came out in the 50s, right? right? When the civil rights movement was just start, start, starting to begin, these ideas were coming out of post-World War II. All this stuff is happening here. Changes are coming. Uh, women had been in the workforce in during right. World War II. We saw League of Their Own, Rose of the Riveter. All of these things were changing, and men, white men, were having to adapt to these situations and fight against their impulses and being told that the old ways don't work anymore and what's your? how are you going to deal with that? So throughout the movie, that is what he represents to me, which is why I can't judge him positively or negatively. He just is America to me. And as the film progresses, especially at ending, just there's right. so much symbolism through the whole movie about it. Do you like him? I do like him because it's Rock Hudson, and I think that's why you cast him. Yeah, You cast someone who is, uh, even though when he's mean or he's rude, he still has this charm to him or this affability to him that you can't 100% hate him. And so you 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 give him chances because Liz gives him chances. Right. Because a woman that powerful, that strong, uh, understanding her man, forgiving her man, you as the audience, because you like Liz Taylor's character so much, have to also forgive uh, uh, Bick and, and give him some space as well because she does try to change his foundations of his world from the opening time they meet to the end of the movie. It, it's funny. I, I like him when I like him, sure, sure. and I really don't like him yeah. for a lot. Which is, And it's, that's one of the things that I, I knew. I remembered stuff about the movie, right. but the complexity of Bick and Jet and how mixed I was going to feel about them, yeah. uh, I didn't remember. And I didn't remember the racism. I just didn't remember that that was, I remembered oil and cows and stuff like that. And these three characters and wealth and those things. And I, I, but I didn't really remember how much a theme that was in this film. Well, and if you're going to study George Stevens, that is all through his movies. Yeah. This idea of pushing against racism. Diary of Anne Frank, Place in the Sun, Gunga Din. Din. It's all there. This idea of pushing, you know, uh, getting people to put away these ideas these antiquated ideas of race of racism right you know all that kind of stuff it's all through the movie yeah um and so we get to the house mm-hmm. and again there's the servants come out and leslie wants to meet learn their names yeah and he says what do you mean? Hey, down here. Fuss over those people. you're texting now 
like you said, you like him when you like America. I like America when I like America. <laughs> and sometimes I don't like America when yeah. I don't like America when they do certain things. That's life. Yeah. You you're know? a Texan now. Yeah. And, and this is this thing that she, and she's going to push against this yeah. through the entire movie. And because she goes, you know, I'm still gracious. Yeah. Yeah. And she says, I, I have my own mind. Yeah. You didn't take my mind. You know, right. so she is constantly going to push back against his desire to control her and put her in a pen. She's a wild horse. She is that black horse. She is that wild horse. Yeah. Yeah. And who's watching? Jet Rink. Jet Rink. James <laughs> Dean. Again, every time the camera's on him, you're like, who is that person? The way he moves, mm-hmm. the hat down hat over his over, eyes. Oh my god! You know, so his eyes are in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just amazing. And they head inside, and then we meet Luz, mm-hmm. Mercedes McCambridge. Oh my god, she kills it in this movie. She really does in, in a short amount of time. Very short. You forget how little she's in the movie, yet her lasting effect is all through the film. Right, and she is a troubling character. She is very because um, on the one hand, she is a strong, powerful, intelligent. Um, independent, independent person. She's in charge. Oh yeah, yeah. In in a way that I don't think uh, Bick is in charge. Hell no. I think one of the things you know he's got to grow a lot, and one of the yeah. things is that he's you know, going to spoiler alert. He's going to lose his sister. Yeah, and that's going to force him to grow. But right now, she is mean to them kind of right you know where have you been yeah first and he's like well we were on our honeymoon yeah and then she shows them upstairs and by the way the set is gorgeous this is and it's interesting how this set is going to change over the course of the movie and she says okay Bic, you're in this room and leslie you're gonna be in this room <laughs> this will be a room and they're like no we're married yeah we're gonna be over here but even the way he does it it's not like defiant you no. Think, well, Luz, I mean, by the way, and this is important, too, because, Steve, you talked about how troubling she is as a character. She's very mean when she talks about the Mexican service, which I think we're coming up on. Oh, yeah. She says, you know, you can't be, uh, these people would lay around on their asses uh, yeah, if on they want, haunches, yeah. on their haunches, yeah. if they were, which is, of course, complete and utter bullshit. But that's what they think. They have to think that because they have to be above somebody. So they push that stupid narrative out. Somehow, Latinos, who are the hardest working fucking people in this nation, uh, are, are sitting around. And that's been around for decades, that idea of the, the Mexican or the Latino sitting around, not working, waiting for, hand, like, it's all ridiculous. And so, fortunately, we're all past that now yeah right so but what's interesting about her is what you said the troubling nature of it she's this way and then she's jealous she's jealous jealous of a beautiful young northerner right. coming in to take her spot yep. and it's and it's overt her jealousy oh yeah there is no question about it she doesn't like this person showing up and not only is she not like this person she is going to sabotage her absolutely and of course, as just as we get inside, that's when Bick notices Jet, notices yeah. James Dean. What are you still doing here? Where do you think you're going with my automobile? Just hold on. Don't go taking off on me. That old truck broke down again. You want me going down the road? That's exactly what I was going to do. But she said to me, she said, you stay on here and you do your work. All right. Well, the next time I tell you to get, you get. And I, and I guess what's happened is that he fired Jet Rank. He did. And Luz told him to stay. Yeah, because Luz, what she says is, we needed a man to be around here, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, you weren't around, that kind of thing. So we need as much help as we could get. Yeah. But later on in the movie, Luz, the daughter named Luz, uh, says that a lot of people around that area were saying that uh, Luz had had a relationship with 
jet ring. What do you think? I think it was, I think it was a mother son type of relationship, and then maybe a couple of times there was like something. I yeah, it's very strange. I mean, yeah. she's older, sure, um, which doesn't mean there couldn't have been a relationship. Right, of course, of course, she's very hard. Yes. But she clearly has a very specific because her saying, "Oh, we needed a man to do some stuff." Yeah. I don't think Luz needs anybody. Nope. She's the she's tough as nails. She could she could have done it all. Oh yeah. Um, but she there's a connection there that yeah. we don't ever get to understand. Yeah. And and so James Dean goes to take the fancy car away. The way he slides into that car, you know, it's like he's sliding into a hot tub. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something, and you could see just the. His love of the luxury mm-hmm. that I'm going to savor every moment of my body sliding down this leather into yeah. this car, you which, know, which is of course foreshadowing for his desire to be rich. Absolutely. Um, and it's the next morning. Ring the triangle to to get some food, and Leslie comes downstairs. <laughs> she missed breakfast. She did. Yeah, they're all gone already. Yeah, breakfast is at five a.m. Yeah, and man, Luz is Luz is there, and she just pokes at her yep. about this. Like, don't push yourself. Yeah. Your blood's too thin. Yeah, don't go out in the heat. You don't, couldn't handle it. Don't go it. riding. <laughs> Can't. And then and then uh, a servant comes and brings her me- her breakfast, yeah. which is beans and eggs. And steak. And steak. Yeah. A good Texas breakfast. God damn, it looks good. <laughs> I've never had steak and eggs. I've, I maybe had steak and eggs once in my life. I've had steak and eggs. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite. Uh, I feel I would with. if I didn't give a shit about my heart. I feel like would have steak and, egg, steak and eggs every day. You you love you love a steak. Oh, I love a fucking steak. Yeah, I mean like nobody's business. I'm sorry, I don't mean to cuss. It's nobody. You can bleep, <laughs> you can bleep it out if you like, but I love a steak because like, of all the other yeah right, I bleeped out enough. in the hundred plus <laughs> episodes of the same Fair enough. I think it can be forgiven from a, for talking about a, a nice chunk of meat. Yeah, steak is well. You do. No wonder you like this movie. It's all about meat. It's Texas. It's, it's funny. I grew up in Virginia, but. I do have an affinity for these Southern stories. I mean, because Virginia, I grew up in Northern Virginia. I mean, but I was always aware and surrounded by people with generations of Southern right. uh, uh, people. Obviously, through their have been living in the South for a long time. Families, you know, uh, legacies, that kind of thing. And so, uh, I've always found a reverence for that because they're connected to the soil. And so, when you see something like this. It's fascinating. Plus, it's Americana. It's in yeah. essence Americana. Yeah, yeah. Tex- um, Tex- Texan Americana. What, what's funny that I just think is like I feel the same way and have a reverence for, but then I kind of went. You know what? I like all the old places and the old traditions. Mm. So if we went off to New England and it was the old New England families, I would be interested in them. Absolutely. And if we went to the Georgian families, I'd be interested in them. Sure. And you know, it's like I mean, my family is an old California family, mm-hmm. and I'm interested in. This. So it's really the. I like history and I like culture and I like the people that have put down roots for a long time. I'm interested. I like going into that culture and kind of being there for a while. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and one other thing about Luz that I like is, of course, she's wearing spurs. Yes, yeah, she is. Gotta have Loudly those spurs on. Spurs. And as as Leslie's trying to say, look, I'm a lot tougher than you think I am. Luz's response is, I've never been sick a day in my life. And then throws the spurs up on the armrest of her, yep. of Leslie's couch, yep. which I thought was a power move and a half. There is no subtlety nope. in Luz's treatment of Leslie. She wouldn't know subtlety to hit her in her face. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. stuff's going to hit her in the face pretty soon. That's true. Um, let's go meet some folks. Yeah. Going to have a nice big barbecue. 
So uh, this movie was shot in a, a town called Marfa in Texas. Okay. And uh, and George Stevens really wanted authenticity. He wanted as much real Texas as he could get. Wow. And Marfa is a small town of about 5,000 people. Oh. And you, I'm sure you can imagine and our listeners can imagine that when a big Hollywood movie crew descends on a small town, that small town probably doesn't like him very much. Yeah. And historically... You know, this is like an army showing up. This is hundreds and hundreds of people with equipment and spoiled actors and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And George Stevens didn't want that. He wanted the town to love them. And so he opened up this movie to this town of Marfa in so many ways that are wow. fascinating. One of his, he almost always had an open set, which meant the, the town could just come out and watch the shooting. When they had barbecues and stuff like that, or even just normal days of shooting, he always had extra food and he fed the town. Wow. And when they had their dailies, they screened their dailies every night. That's when they, they, they call them the rushes is what did they shoot that day? What they would do is they would shoot, the negatives would fly out to Los Angeles, get developed. They'd fly them back the next day and uh, he would screen them in the town movie theater and everyone in the town was invited to come watch. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And so when we get to this barbecue, all of those people, that's the citizens of Marfa. Ah. Those are the real townsfolk. Some of them even have lines in the movie. What? These are, these are, and he, this town just embraced this movie. They, you know, uh, James Dean and, uh, and Rock Hudson are hanging out with the town's members to get their accents right. Yeah. The rope trick that James Dean is doing, he learned that from a guy at Marfa. Like they real, and the town of Marfa loved Jimmy Dean. That's great. They just loved him. Of course. Because he loved, he he wanted to be completely 100% immersed in this world, and as he, you would expect. He's, and he's one of those guys, Steve, that comes along that just radiates that need that in, within you. It, it triggers it, your need to take care of him. Mm -hmm. He has that energy. Yeah. Um, so the town is coming all to meet mm -hmm. Leslie because she is the new queen of the, the Benedict is the biggest ranch in the area. Yeah. And everyone's lining up to meet her and including, uh, I think the character's name is Vashti. Yeah. Which is uh, Jane Withers. Yep. And her man is uh, Lefty or Pinky. 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 Yeah, Pinky. Um, and she's great in this movie. She's so good in this movie. Yeah. And she was the neighbor. Yep. That he would have married if. Yeah. And as we're having this big sort of celebration of Leslie, who is standing alone? Yeah. James Dean. Because she is like, that's their connection. They're both outsiders. Yes. Yeah. He's a stranger in his own land. Mm -hmm. She's obviously a stranger in a strange land. But he notices her, and it begins his love affair with her, right? It's yeah. all there, and her softness, her sweetness, yet her steel that is there, you you see it there. And of course, it progresses to the point where she passes out because of all the food and meeting all the people and everything. So everything and a that big loves, slap slap a calf's brains on her plate, exactly, and everything that which that guy reached over and dropped it in there. That the everything Luz said comes to be that right. she could not handle the heat that she had trouble with it. So that's that kind of right. thing. But yeah, the next morning. Well, well, before we get to that, yeah, because there's a lot of stuff to to deal with here. The other interesting thing that happens is, is that they they make a comment. You know, Bix just got married, and they make a comment about uh, Luz. Yeah, and they say, "Oh, Luz, why?" Everybody in Novus County knows you'd rather herd cattle than make love. And that's right also around when we're cutting out to see James Dean mm. not part of the party. Right. And this is where you go, like one of the, and, and James Dean is looking at Leslie. Yeah. And so this is where you go, what is her relationship to Jet? Mm -hmm. And of course, I do think she's jealous of Bick, of yeah. losing her brother to some degree, her closest relationship. But is it possible she's also jealous of Jet's 
attraction to Leslie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Seeing a young man. Yep. Go and be attracted to a, a more beautiful, younger woman, yep. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yep. Sure. And by the way, I love just because of the barbecue is that he says, this is real barbacoa, which is the where we get the word barbecue from. Yeah. Which, of course, is true. Um, and I just love that little bit of foodie knowledge. In yeah, there. yeah. Um, I just love the Texan flavor of everybody yeah. talking. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the, the, the exchanges with Leslie are just great. Yeah. Um, and again, we have one of the other things is Jet slips back into that fancy car again. Sits in it. One of those iconic movie poster shots. Oh, absolutely. With his feet up, with the boots and the cowboy hat. You can go Google James Dean Giant right now, yeah. and my prediction is that is the first or second picture to come up. Absolutely. Yeah. But as you said, the next morning, the triangle is once again getting banged because yeah. it's breakfast time, but who's doing it? Liz Leslie. Miss Leslie yeah. is doing it, and she's got breakfast all set up. Yeah. And it looks like the East Coast breakfast that we had before. Yeah. It's bacon and eggs, and it's, it, and it's not the big steak and egg Texas breakfast. Right. She's making little changes. And who is she working with to do it but the Mexican servants? Of course. And Leslie, I, she's an amazing character. She's, I think she is clearly the hero of this film. Oh, yeah. And she tries to make it right with Luz. Mm -hmm. She says, Look, Luz, I think there's something we should get in the clear in the open. I don't want to take your place. I want you to know that. But I can't have you taking my place either. I can't be just a guest in my husband's house. I think that's classy. Yeah. It's not harsh. It's not mean. It's not, it's like just stating the facts. Which makes it even worse for Luz. Yep. Yep. I couldn't rattle her. She got up before I did. Yep. She made her breakfast. <sighs> yeah. And then Bick comes down and Leslie yeah. announces, I am never going to faint again. Like Rocky. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going down again. No more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and we go out for, want to go out for a ride. Luz does not think that she should ride Warwind. Yeah. It's like, it's her horse. Yeah. She's, you know, what's really interesting, though, is that when she was in Maryland, she was riding side saddle. She was. And now she's going to ride uh, Western. Like a Texan. And I can't imagine riding side saddle. Have you, you've, have you ridden a horse? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Are you asking the outlaw if he's ridden? But you don't like horses. I've ridden it once. I don't like horses. I love horses. Right, right. But you scare you're, the shit out of me. Yeah. Those are very powerful animals. Yeah. I respect horses. Um, cause I, you know, I've, I've ridden horses yeah. uh, a, a, a bit. They hurt your balls, man. <laughs> you you got to situate them properly. Sure. Um, <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> twice, but, twice. But my point is I cannot imagine how humans could ride side saddle. It's amazing. The, the, the things we put women through, man, I in mean, our society for decades is ridiculous. It's like, here's a thing that's perfectly balanced for you to put one leg on yeah. one side and one on the other side. Let's put both legs on one side and have you figure out how to stay on this. How thing. about Godiva riding naked on that thing? I don't know how you, your butt sway doesn't have you slide off the saddle. <laughs> I don't know. I always thought she was bareback. Maybe either way, Steve, you're still gonna sweat. <laughs> um, but I think we've digressed. Yeah, um, we, yes, of course we are. Um, There's our subtext. And yeah. so, so they go out riding, and uh, we meet the head of Vicara. Is that mm -hmm. is that the name? Yeah, Vicara, whose name is Polo. That guy was 35 years old. <laughs> Older than both of them. Yeah. Well, except that he he's going to end up being the oldest. Like, he looks like right. he's 80. Yeah. Um, so everybody's getting made up older. And what I, I like in this scene is you really see how proud Bick is. Yes. You see his, this is his love. Mm -hmm. His love is his ranch and, and his stock. That's what's interesting about the film, Steve. The, this is a complex character, Bick. 
So you, I agree. Yeah. You have moments where you see his humanity and that's what keeps you going through his moments of, uh, imperfection. And Hey, all of us grew up with fathers and mothers who had imperfect or flaw were imperfect or flaws. No matter how great they were to us, they still had flaws. So right. why wouldn't he? Uh, no, he. Well, he's he has got you know literal blinders on. Yeah, he sees he is he is a conservative in the in the classic sense, which Absolutely. is he sees the world the way mm-hmm. that he was raised to see the world. Yep, and that's you know that's yep. not surprising. That's right. And, and there's this moment too where she goes like, "Are all these ours?" And he goes, "These and about forty five thousand more." <laughs> That's just mind-boggling, yeah. the size of this ranch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go into like a nice montage. We see branding. We see the we see the bulls kind of charging each mm-hmm. other. We see Bick shoot a snake. Yeah. You know? Snake. And it's a nice little moment. And then he worries about her. And she's and her attitude is, don't you worry about me. I'm a tough Texan. Yeah. And they kiss. And then car pulls up. Mm-hmm. Jet and Luz. Mm-hmm. And Brett asks Jet to take uh, Leslie back home. Um, and there's a great reaction shot from James Dean yeah. as he realizes he's going to have this woman in the car with him mm-hmm. and he opens up the door looking very nervous. <laughs> All of his mannerisms are just always fascinating. Mm-hmm. Every little thing that he does. Anybody else, Steve, it's overdoing it. I agree. Some people are just built that way. Well, this is one of the things I wonder uh, is that if James Dean had lived, yeah, would we have gotten tired of his stuff? Uh, I think he'd have worked less and less yeah. as he got older. I think, and then I think eventually he would have died anyway. I think somehow drink or something. Right. I don't think this guy was meant to live a long life. Uh, either way, like Jim Morrison, like not meant yeah. to live a long life. Leaves the legacy and out. Yeah. There's Steve this, McQueen, same thing. There's this weird like you know party of all the people that died too young. Yeah. Hendrix and Morrison and Marilyn Monroe and James Dean and one of the most talented parties you ever go to, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Bruce Lee. Yeah, but let's hope we never. Well, it's too late for me. I'm already too old to die. Yet. <laughs> me too. Damn it. Um, and then, <laughs> then Luz wants to get something straight. Oof. I don't want to chew on this, Dick. But I think we better get it straight. I run the house, don't I? Her house, her kitchen, her hell. Don't even speak Spanish. Oh, they understand plenty English when they want to. I know how to handle Mexicans. Doing it all my life. And this is that line you mentioned before. I'd sit on her honkers all day if I didn't keep after him. And this is the point I want to bring up. Luz's name is Luz right. in Spanish. Light. It's yeah. Luz. Why is she named a Spanish name? Is that, well, that's well, Do we know what her actual name is? Luz is what he calls her. Luz is what it is. Right. Luz is what it is in Spanish. Luz, my aunt, is named Luz. L-U-Z. Right. And that's what this means. Light. But is it? could it be that her name is Lucy or something like that in... I don't think so. I don't know. It's really strange. It's a strange name. Yeah, well, the, being Texas, it's to me, it's maybe not a strange yeah. name. And she does look different than Bick. So I don't know. You think she, she has some Mexican heritage? Yes. Yeah, oh. I, I, I've never like really explored that thoroughly, but she's darker than Bick. We don't know what happened in her heritage. She has a, an unnatural hatred of Mexicans. And where's that come? Is it self-hate? Does she hate that she's half and half? Is that why she has a harder edge to her, that she's had to fight through being accepted here in Texas, being half and half? I don't know. Was she the son? Was she the daughter of like some affair that, that uh, uh, Bick's fa- Bick and Luce's father had We don't with one of the servants? We don't really know. Because the servants, when she passes, cry like crazy. So to me, there's all kinds of things that are involved here that we don't get to explain. I don't know what it is in the book, So because I've never read it. But... 
it's interesting. It's always, it struck me this time how interesting it is that her name is Luz, which is a Spanish name. Right. Yeah. What, what's weird to me, and I'm trying to think of how to express this because the idea is not fully formed in my head, mm. but is that there is a weird relationship with the powerful people who come to really know yeah. and un, and understand on some level and even really like yeah. certain elements of a culture of a culture that they're oppressing. Yeah. An example would be, this is the real barbacoa. This is where we get the word barbecue from. Right, right. Is that... Okay, there are these people, and you really like this thing you got from them, yeah. and you understand this thing you got from them really well because you've been among these people. Right. You know, if you go to Texas, I mean, Texas is a deep connection with Mexico and Mexican yeah. culture, and yet then still not treating in those people as human. Right. You think of the British Raj in India, or you think sure. of you know you know any of these places yeah. where they go, oh, we went we went and conquered this place, and we got this great stuff back mm -hmm. from those people that we don't treat as human. Right. You know. Well, look at uh, that happened right. What we see in Schindler's List with uh, uh, Ray Fiennes' character and Beth yeah. Davids, right? Yeah. His hatred of himself for loving a Jewish woman. He's not supposed to love her, right? We see this with so many histories. Uh, Thomas Jefferson with Sally Hemings. Right. Like, th it's the history of the oppression, oppressed, oppressor sleeping with the oppressed. Well, this is what... So I don't know if I'm right or not. I just throw it out. There. No, no, no. Well, this is what I don't... The... <sighs> Only way I could say this is like I don't get racism on some level. <laughs> that sounds like a stupid thing to say. Well, but it's just like, say. how can you not see that these other people are human? Right. Like, that's where I always go, okay, you like them and you're working with them right. and you see that they get sick and that they're sad and that they laugh and they have songs and they're happy. And it's like, oh, they're just like us. Right. How could you not see that? And yet for Luz and for Bic yeah. and for most of this culture, they don't see that. Including Jet. Oh, apps. That's a shocking moment in the movie. Yes, the it is. Uh, and we're, we're, we're actually getting there right now cool. because 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 two things happen one is that luz says i'm gonna go take that horse for a ride yeah he wants she wants to push something around yeah well i think she's talking about pushing the cattle around that's what i'm saying yeah so so she, so she was a workout her anger yeah and of course the 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 mexican guy says no one's no one's supposed to ride that horse except for miss benedict right and she goes I'm riding what i want to around here for about 30 years already he buck off lopez if he bucks me down, he won't be the person that's done it. Uh, I suppose you came out here to show me how to run things, too. She wants to hurt uh, Leslie through the horse, yeah, which is a terrible image. It is so horrible and shocking watching this sequence. The sound that the horse is making as she digs her spurs into the on purpose. Let's go. <laughs> And, and the way they cut it, this is where the filmmaking is really strong, which is you go from these really wide shots where the horse and, and Luz are kind of in the distance. Yeah. And you go to an extreme close-up of the spurs hitting the side of the horse oh, and blood coming out. Yep. And it's the the distance between that cut mm -hmm. is part of what makes it so shocking yeah. and painful. Because you feel helpless. You can't stop it. Yeah. No, it is just really – it is it is an act of evil and torture. Absolutely. It is terrible. <laughs> And intercut with this, we have Jet and Leslie driving, and he says to her... Who gets hold of this much land else they took it off somebody else? He's not subtle about how he feels about the Benedicts, but he's also not subtle about how he feels about Leslie. I guess you're about the best-looking gal we've seen around here in a long time. I think. Pretty soon. I think I've seen down here. And I love her response. Why, thank you, Jen. That's a very nice compliment. 
And I'm going to tell my husband I've met with your approval. That is very smooth. Yeah. That is a very smooth thank you. Yeah. That's as far as you're going to go with that. Right. Um, and his response is, oh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and then we go to the cemetery and the village yep. where the Mexican uh, families live. Yeah. This is hard. Yeah. It is, it is, you know, we've been in the lap of luxury in the beautiful Benedict house. And now we see where those servants live and it is in dilapidated shacks, which, you know, of course have no running water. There's no electricity. There's no, and, and we hear uh, a, a baby crying. What's the matter with you? I don't know. I'm sick. Everyone. Wait a minute. I want to get out of here. But I wouldn't do that if I was you. And she immediately, her instinct is, I got to go see what's going on. Yeah. And so she goes to see the baby that's crying and she goes into this woman's house and there's a woman sick on, on the bed. There's a baby screaming. She immediately picks up the baby. Yeah. And the woman says, I'm sick. I have no milk. Mm -hmm. My milk is not good for the baby. Yeah. Yeah. And jets out waiting in the car and he hears the crying and he is not comfortable with this. This does not seem like a good idea. Um, Inside. She asks if the woman's seen a doctor. No, there's no doctor. Doctors don't come here. And Jet comes in and says, Miss Leslie, we got to be getting on. Mm -hmm. Because he doesn't want her here either. Yeah, he doesn't want to get, and he also doesn't want to get in trouble. It's not just that he doesn't want to get in trouble. Okay. I think, I mean, he doesn't like the Mexicans either. Right. But why did he drive her in a village then? Why did he drive her into that village to show her the other side of Riata? I think he did that to tear down Bick. Yeah. But I also don't think that he likes seeing the woman that he thinks is beautiful yeah. in this place holding this baby. Yeah, true. Because um, he's a racist, too. He is a racist. And she's like, she she immediately is like, there's a sick child. Yeah. We got to go get a doctor. Yep. And in the meantime, back at the house, we see Warwind limp in the front. Oh, man, it's heartbreaking. It is. Oh, heartbreaking. And I think you know. I, not only do you know that this horse is hurt. Yeah. But the horse has no rider. Yep. And I think we already know what's about to happen. Yep. Uh, Jet and uh, Leslie arrive back home. They see the horse. Yeah. And they go inside. And, of course, the first thing they ask is, what happened to Warwind? Yeah. And then they find out that Luz is there. Right. On the couch. Doctor is there. And it's very serious. Yep. She Apparently, she hit her head on a mesquite stump. As you do. Yeah. And there's a great look again every moment from James Dean when he walks in the house and he knows what's going on. Yeah. And there's a noise that comes from Luz. Mm-hmm. And then they take the blanket and they put it over her. Yeah. And she's died. It's a really interesting scene because because there's a lot going on. Yeah. Because Luz has tortured uh, the horse that we know Leslie loves yep. out of her hatred for Leslie and jealousy. Leslie has gone to the Mexican village and has an agenda to save this child's life. And Jet has just flirted with her and she is threatened to tell her husband. And now Luz is dead and the horse is injured. And it's like, man, there's a lot of stuff going on. (laughs) It's a really Mm well-constructed scene, I think. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't forget, Bic is upset. When he finds out where she's been. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then he feels guilty that the horse he bought is the horse that killed yep. uh, his sister. Yep. Um, Not knowing his sister was the reason she died. Yep. Yeah. So, and then, and of course, Leslie's not even going to stay. No. She grabs the doctor and says, yeah. we got to go to this village. Right. And there's an awkward moment 
Do you think that doctor's ever been to that village? No. And Bick tries to stop it from happening. Yep. He can't do that. He's our doctor. Our doctor? Yeah. You mean the Benedicts only? No, no. I mean, all of us. You don't tend those people. <laughs> that sounds familiar still. Yeah. Hmm. I just go like, what? Is, what do you? What? <laughs> What do you think that means? What does he think that means? They take care of their own. They have their own doctors, their own witch doctor, their own whatever. He doesn't want to know about it. He doesn't want to know. Nope. He is. He and I don't. And I think part of you know the way racism survives is you keep your eyes closed. Of course. You, of course. You know. You can be racist when you grow up in a small town and you only see what you see, and you're being told all the time on the news how terrible people of color are, or. Yeah, people who are different than you are from other nations. So if you don't go out on your own and venture and meet and get to know and experience, you have no reference point. You have a very limited scope with which to make a decision about a race or about a people. I, I think I'm I'm so lucky because uh, my yeah. dad. Um, you are. We're friends. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, my thank you. Thank you, John Rocco. I'm your Latino friend. Go ahead. Um, yes. My, my dad, uh, when he got out of optometric school, he got offered jobs in like Beverly Hills and fancy places. Oh. And he refused them all because, he, and he chose to work at a practice in the Mission District in San Francisco, mm. which is the Latino part of town. Yeah. And because he said, I want to go somewhere I can do good. Yeah. And so I grew up in the Mission District all the time. All the people that worked for him were Latino mm. and all of his patients were. And he became... Like my dad, he was the the local bank for the for the drunks because they would come in, they would get their welfare check and they would say, I can't have this money because I'll drink it up. Can you keep it for me till next week Holy when I shit. pay rent? And so my dad would always do that. So he had all these relationships with people of a very different, very different from me, the Jewish yeah. kid growing up in the suburbs. Yeah. But that was just, people are people, you know? Yeah. And my dad had these long, deep, deep connections with that community. And so that's what I grew up with. Wow. You know, and so it just like that's why that's why this all bewilders me to yeah, some sure, degree. Of course, of course, you know, I grew up all around it in Virginia. So yeah, to me, I taste. I that was very easy. One well, of the first things. Well, it was directed at you and your family. Well, yeah, a lot of the time, some of the time it was, but I also had like my best friend literally is black, and so he's, he's literally he's black? literally black. Yeah, <laughs> he's not figuratively that's what, you black. Know what sucks? That's, I can't even say that. Like my friend, <laughs> like I say it, it's true, but because people use it a cliche, I can't get any credit for it. Oh, the I'm not racist. I have lots of black yeah, friends. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> well, there is a point where it is actually true. Yeah, this is <laughs> where it's true. And so I would see what he went through, and the same thing with uh, being friends with Andre. Like uh, my other friend who's uh, one of my other friends who are black, like both those guys at their weddings, the fathers of the bride, the white women that they married, the fathers right. of the white women did not address either of the black husbands, grooms in their toasts. What? Neither one of them mentioned the black groom in their toast. My friend Maurice and my friend Andre, neither one of them were mentioned by the white girl's father. And it's. The sec when it happened with Maurice, I was livid. When it happened with Andre, I almost picked up a chair and threw it at the guy because it is so publicly insulting, you know. And so these things go deep, and not consequently, both those uh, parents, I mean, both sets of those parents got divorced right after oh, or yeah. soon after the wedding because both those people had children, and the grandfather still, or the the uh, yeah, I guess the grandfather of the kids would not come see their child. Well, the, well the this is So this is why I like Leslie in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Well, because she is gracious. 
She is. And the thing about the story you just told is it doesn't fucking matter how you actually feel about that person. Yeah. Is that what matters is you're at the wedding. Yes. This is it's a public event. You. It's time to be gracious. Yes. Is that you act compassionately and gracefully and kindly as Leslie does with everybody she meets. Right. And it's not necessarily that she actually likes these people yeah. necessarily. I'm not saying she doesn't. Right. But I'm saying that because she's a gracious person, she was raised correctly. But that's why she represents progressiveness in America. Yeah. You know? Um, so she leaves she with the doctor. She comes back. Where's my horse? What do you think? So, well, we had to describe what what what, what, oh, what are you thinking about, which is that <laughs> Bic says, I shot him. Yeah. He had a broken leg, and I thought you would want me to do it. So it's funny, because I have the question here, right here. I have, <laughs> is that the truth? Um, she accepts it's the truth, and she hugs him, because she yeah. saw the condition the horse was in. Yeah. I mean, this is... So I don't think all, it's the truth. I think, he sh- I think they could have possibly fixed the horse. I think he took that opportunity to take out his revenge... That's what I think too. Yeah, about that's love. what I think too. Yeah. I mean, they do shoot horses, or they did, of course, that had a broken leg. Yes, so it could be true, right? But to do it without Leslie's approval, yeah. is pretty shitty. Yeah, and I think he was—he is angry at that horse because, as you said, you know, he blames this. He says, he says, yeah, I should never have gotten that horse. Yep. Now, because if he hadn't never gotten that horse, Luz would be alive, right? But what's the other thing that wouldn't have happened? He wouldn't have met Leslie. He wouldn't have met Leslie. Right. It's a weird thing to say. Yeah. I would have been better off if I never met you. That's actually what one could interpret that sentence the as being. could be there, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, 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 it's a rough, rough moment. Right. And then he does ask, if the how's the baby? And the baby's alive. Yeah. Which is a good thing, because we're going to meet this baby later down in the movie. And then sadly. Yeah. We're at the funeral. Yeah. There are a lot of hats, on, cowboy hats on a couch. Such an interesting <laughs> custom. Yeah. Um, and Bick gets called away from the funeral into a meeting. And now we're talking about how Luz was a very generous woman. Yeah. And she, there, this piece of land is probably worth $600. Mm-hmm. And the judge or one of these other characters is saying, you know what? I think you should offer Jet Rink twice that money. I love that. You should be generous too. You should be generous too, Bick. Yeah. Uh, and give him twice the value of the land. And we call Jet Rinkin. He's playing with this rope. He looks very, very awkward. Got a nice jacket on. And and he says, look, I'm already quitting. Yeah. I've said I would quit. You know, you don't have to. You can't fire me. I would quit. He's like, no, I'm not firing you. He's like, no, you're not firing me. I'm I'm not quitting. (laughs) Um, And they say, you've come into a piece of luck. It's a real bad wind that doesn't blow somebody some good. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) This scene is so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because what they're doing is they are going to make it sound really, really good yeah. that they're going to give him money to get take his land. To get rid of him. Yep. Yeah. And, well, and one of, the, one of the things that he said is that a lot of these people have a lot too much land and how did they get it? Right. And I don't think we mentioned it before, but they got it because the people that... They got it for like five cents an acre or something because yep. the people that had it didn't have the smarts or didn't have the strength or whatever it was to stand yep. up to them yep. and get what they deserve. And that's what Jed is telling Leslie as he drives her into the town and yep. then says afterwards, my family could have been rich, but they weren't uh, as sneaky or something like that. They weren't as sneaky. Yeah. And right now in this scene, I think they're being pretty damn sneaky. Oh, yeah. Especially the the judge who said, the guy, he's just like, well, it's a, it's an ill wind that doesn't blow some good luck for somebody. And this yeah. is your good luck, son. Blah, blah, blah. And so. And, th- you know, and it's like a major hard sell. 
That's a lot of money, Jeff. What are you aiming to do with all of it? You're in the chips now, boy. <laughs> there it is. There it is, boy. <laughs> and it's all yours. <laughs> and, here, and here's the thing, too, that I think is... I think that Bick thinks he's being a good guy. Oh, yeah, sure. I think he's convincing himself. I mean, he wants that land. He's begrudgingly doing it. Yeah. yeah, but he's going, yeah, I guess this is the right thing to do. Yeah. But he really wants that land. He doesn't want Jet to have that land. Sure. Um, and Jet listens. And it's interesting because George Stevens frequently will sit in a shot that is awkward. And, yeah. And this is one where we're sitting in a shot and the people talking are kind of backgrounded or on yeah, the side of the frame. It's an interesting shot. And James Dean is right center mm-hmm. and he is not saying anything. And again, he's completely fascinating. We yeah. get to the end of the scene and does he take that money? Nope. You know something, Bay? <clears throat> I don't know, but what just might not be a pretty good idea to gamble along with old Madama. How do you mean? Just gamble along. Just keep what she gives me. It's a very smooth sort of oh, yeah. and rejection. Then he, he throws his little rope and catches a little knot. Yeah. And, and there's a long silence and he heads out. Yeah. And I love the sign, the little underhand swoop. Yep. With yeah. Hand, with, which he'll do again later on in the film at a, a interesting moment. That's his way of like, that's it. Yeah. I'm done with you guys. Yeah. Oh, and he says one other thing. Maybe I'm going to call it Little Riata. Little Riata. Why does he want to call it that? Well, because he wants to mess with Bick. He just yeah. is poking him. Yeah, he does. He is. Yeah. Nothing but jealousy, man. Yeah. Dick measuring contest. So. Yeah. Um, and just as we're going out, which is just a, a ridiculously obvious plant, yeah. is someone is saying, oh, we got a gusher, million, getting millions. Mm-hmm. It's like millions of gallons, no dollars. Yeah. A month. A month. A month, son. In 1930-whatever year it is. Oh, Steve, a month. Well, oil money, this is one of the things I was thinking about is like, because I read those Lyndon Johnson books recently. Oh, yeah. Is that he's his whole political career is built on the rise of oil money. Oh, yeah. And this is right when it's happening, you know? Uh, and then we get Jet. I love this sequence where Jet is on his own land. Yeah. And walks along. He's taking these big steps, walking along the fence, and the feeling of this is his. This is not an intelligent guy. No. He's a charming, interesting guy. I can't tell he's, how intelligent he is. Uh, he's not smart. He is, how would I say this correctly? I mean, he builds a giant he's, empire. Well, he, yeah, I'm sure. He millions of dollars of yeah. oil money. The bank, I'm sure, stepped in and got people involved. But he is not a smart guy in terms of like book smarts or natural. He's instinctively smart in situations or right. figures out how to be in certain situations and get out of them. Or find himself, yeah. Um, so as he celebrates his new land ownership, we yeah. go back to the house, and uh, Leslie is talking to Uncle Bali about Texas and wanting yeah. to see San Antonio and Dallas, and how long is it going to be before she becomes a Texan? And <laughs> and then and she's like, "Well, aren't I a Texan right now?" Yeah. And then Uncle Bali gets called over to this little meeting all the men are having. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this scene. So much. It, it, I, it's a great scene. Yeah. And Leslie walks over, puts her hands on Bick's shoulder, and she wants to be part of the conversation. Yeah. We're just talking business. Just business. The expectation being that she should go away. Oh, well, please don't mind me. Do go on. I'll listen quiet as a little old mouse. You'd be bored, honey. And they're giving her hints, and she doesn't want to take the hints. Nope. Why, I'd be fascinated. 
And then they say, we're talking politics. You married me in Washington, remember, darling? I live next door to politics. And then they say, this is men's stuff. Yeah. And there it is. And the women try to say, oh, come on over. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Come, come with us. Don't. They don't want confrontation. Nope. And this pisses her off. Oh, yeah. She's great in this scene. Mm-hmm. I think she's really good. Yeah. Um, and I love when it gets to, they keep trying to get her to leave. And then and then even um, Uncle Bali, yeah. who's on her side, says, hey, maybe I'll get that coffee for you, trying to yeah. pull her away. And she calls him Uncle Brutus. Yeah, Ed to Uncle Brutus, yeah. <laughs> which is so great. And then Rock turns around, like, angrily. Yeah. She's you like, don't feel well. Yeah. You must be sick. And this is where, like you said before, that they're always, they're not telling her to shut up. Nope. They're pretty much trying to tell her to shut up. Right. But in their own subtle way. It's not that subtle. (laughs) They think they're being courteous. Yes. Right? Because women are not supposed to be involved in business or politics. Right. Her her comebacks are fantastic. Oh, yeah. She says you date back 100,000 years and you you should be carrying leopard skins and clubs. Clubs. To which their response, his response is, you're tired. And and think about this, Steve. Think about when this movie came out. Mm Mm-hmm. It's 1956. This is happening in the country. Yeah. These conversations are starting to happen between men and women in the country. So it's very reflective. I mean, there are some things where you go like, okay, we have come a little ways. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because the obviousness of what they're trying to do is so ridiculous that I don't think many people would do that today. Right. Um, And it's funny. This is where in my notes I went, oh, so we were adding sexism to the racism. (laughs) We got a a nice cocktail of sexism. Well, you know, America Um, doesn't have a great history sometimes. (laughs) You think? And finally, she says goodnight, yeah. and she leaves. We're in the bedroom. It's later. <laughs> She's asleep. Rock's taking off his shoes. Loudly. Loudly. <laughs> like a child. He is an impertinent child sometimes. Oh, my God. This well, is, yeah. And then this is where I get, I feel weird about this movie. She wakes up. She apologizes. Mm-hmm. And he, what's interesting is that she does much more bending around him. Yeah. Than he does around her. And in my, you know, today's eyes, but I think even in the movie, she's right. Of course she's right. And what's interesting is that, um, and she does say it, in principle, I was absolutely right. Right. And he says, You are my wife. And he's Jordan Benedict. And I'm asking you right now, when are you going to settle down and behave like everybody else? And he starts yelling at her. Yeah. Which is uh, upsetting because there are people that can hear. And he's yep. like, well, they already heard you being, you know, you know, carrying on like Carrie Nation, which I actually like that <laughs> line a lot. <laughs> yeah. And she says, you make me sound just awful. I'm not all that bad. Mm. And then what happens is really interesting, which is we cut to her and she's on the bed and she's smiling up on him and she says, anyway, you're stuck with me. And that Liz Taylor smile in that moment yeah. is so beautiful and so sexy. Yeah. And she wants some sex. I yeah. mean, that's what's oh, happening. Oh, interesting. I mean, isn't it? I didn't catch that. Fascinating. Okay. I mean, and that's what's weird to me about no, the scene. Sure well, what do you true. think? Why is she smiling at him in this I way? think she's smiling because she knows she got his ass no matter what. And what she says is true. See, the thing is, she's always in power throughout the whole movie. He has no concept of how in power she is. That's why she feels that she can do whatever she does with, lo- with no consequences. Because in her mind, she knows she's right. And so she's going to let herself be upset, let herself come back at these guys, make fun of them, make cracks at their expense, what have you. And in that, and then when he's, you know, because she knows he's throwing the boots around. She knows he's acting like a 10-year-old. So she's already in, in power in the this, in this situation because she's the bigger person and she's trying to be gracious and bend around him, like you said. And so that when she says, you're stuck with me, she's saying to him, well, you can cry all you want. We're married. This thing, it's a contract. And she knows it. I... 
agree. It depends on how we define our terms. Sure, sure. Is that I think she knows she's right. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that gives her some power. Yeah. And I also think she knows that she's going to really do what she wants to do most of the time. Absolutely. But she still didn't get to stay in that conversation. Right. She didn't. I but, mean, she I, moved, so, but she removed herself at her time, at her expense. Yeah. After but I don't think she has. I, I think there's lots of ways she doesn't have power. She is okay. not changing the way the servants are treated. The Mexicans are treated on this ranch. She's not. She's able to make small changes. Right. But Bick has far more power than she does. To if Bick wanted to make changes, sure. But in their relationship, she has the power. Well, it depends. Again, that's why I say it depends on how you define power. That's what I would say. The relationship. Yeah. 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 Um, and then she, because I'm telling you, this is about sex. Because then she's talking about the honeymoon, mm-hmm. and he says, "Well, I thought we were going to keep that confidential." And oh. she says, "Well, you are pretty wonderful sometimes." And um. Hmm. And then she said, the last line of the scene as they turn off the light is, come on, darling, why don't you kick off your spurs? <laughs> well, there we go. There it is. Um, and then when we, the next morning, she is very happy as she opens up yeah. the windows and he says, uh, arguing. It's a lot out of me. Best part about Coraline is the making up. <laughs> it's clearly about makeup sex. Sure. To me. Okay. Um, I'm down with it. Well, there's one there's one small moment where she talks about, hey, maybe taking a little time off of Riata, mm-hmm. and he's no way. Yeah, my this is my how my father ran it. This is my grandfather ran it. This is how I run it. I'm in charge of everything here. And she says, including me. <laughs> and he basically says yes. Yeah. And then we get into including our son. And there, and there's a little huh? Mm-hmm. A baby. I just said I'm hoping it's a boy. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. And of course, they're sure it's going to be a boy. Yeah. Cut to some babies. Oh yeah, boy and a girl. Yep. And of course, we got pink for the 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 girl and blue for the boy. Sure. And now we see Leslie and a new doctor going through the village. Yeah. This is Doctor Guerrera, I think. Yeah. And now we see the stuff that she's doing to clean up the village. Right. That there, there there's going to be some changes being made. Jets drinking the wa- some water from his windmill. Sees a big car going by, and the car stops. And there's Leslie. Yeah. And he's been doing some building. He's, yeah. you know, there's a house and he invites her in for some tea. Yeah. <laughs> Has to have a little whiskey to, to, to sort of steal himself to have tea with Leslie. Yeah. And she sees he's trying to do some improvements. He's learning how to speak better. He's got some books and some pamphlets yeah. and stuff. And he just goes right back into. Having kids seems to agree with you. You know, it. you're looking prettier than ever. Some pretty straight up flirting he's doing. Oh, yeah. 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 And and we get into this issue. He she asks him when is he going to get married, and the subject of money comes up, and he she says money isn't everything, and he says not when you got it. Yep, <laughs> I think that is a correct line. Yes, I agree. And then she asks this question: The other people here, why don't they help themselves like you done? Yeah. And he says, when you say other people, what do you mean? I've just come back from the Endicito. And then he says, and forgive the language, but he says that bunch of wetbacks. Yep. I hate that term wetback. It's a terrible term, man. It's a horrible term. And and to see it used so blatantly here on a character that we were starting to like and cheer yeah. for because he's an underdog, yeah. to have to see that he's maybe even more overtly racist because he's not changing his no. philosophy about whereas Bick does. Right. So well, yeah, here. Well, and I think because he was in opposition to Bick, we yeah. just assume that he is everything that Bick's not. True. And Good so up, until we get to really this moment, and then we're like, oh. Yeah. He is openly racist. Yeah. I thought he was like cool outsider I could like. And now I kind of go, oh, I don't know how I feel about yeah. him anymore. Same with Jam. Um, Leslie's heading back to the car and she steps into the mud 
And there's this very important shot of her foot <laughs> and some liquid coming up yeah. from down below it. It's a precursor. Yeah. And uh, Jet, after she's gone, Jet looks down at that footprint. We're back home. And Bick again is talking to her about going to the village. Yeah. Honey, you can't be turned around this place with no regard for who you are. Interfering with those people. You've been a big, powerful, rich Texan for a hundred years. Why don't you do something? I'm not the Red Cross. I'm a cow man. Well, if you won't, I will. If you ever go near one of those dumps again, if I ever hear of you getting mixed up with this migratory mess, why I'll... Just what? I'll leave you. That's what I'll do. I'll leave you. And at this moment that he says this truly horrible thing, some Mexican servants come in carrying their babies. Yeah. And the, hand them off. That's what's so weird to me. Yeah. Is like, is is that 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 you could literally be openly racist mm-hmm. about the people that are literally taking care of your children. I know. That is just, and of course, this has happened throughout history. Yep. It is not a new thing. I don't fucking understand it. <laughs> You've trusted them with your child. Yep. It's like those people that are rude to waiters. You're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? These people go and make your food in the back. <laughs> what, what is what? wrong with you? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, uh, we cut back to Jed. He's got his hands in the black mud. Yeah. Um, now we got a new baby, little baby Luz. Yeah, little baby Luz. Yeah. And now it is the it's the kid's fourth birthday. Yeah. And of course, Bick's making a speech, and it is the fourth anniversary of my son's birth. Your daughter and too. your daughter too. <laughs> and um, oh yeah, he's gotten his kid a beautiful pony. Oh, this scene is oh, it's dude. painful. It is. And he goes, you're going to ride this pony. And he drags the kid kicking and screaming. They put him on the pony. The kid does not scream in the whole time. Oh does not God. like it. Screaming yeah. and, and And of course, Leslie's going, I don't think he wants to be doing that. You know, let's not. And, and everybody's looking on going, this is painful. And the kid gets off and immediately goes to some toy doctor equipment. Foreshadowing. Yeah. And Bick is not pleased. He nope. is going to, I learned how to ride before I learned how to walk. You're going to learn how to ride this pony if I have to tie you on. And of course, Angel, who's the little baby that yeah. we, uh, he jumps on that pony, he rides away, which yeah. Bick lets him, yeah. which I was surprised that he did. I, because oh. I, I thought he would be like, no, no. But he actually likes that kid. Yeah. And then what is Well, Bic- Leslie put her mark on him. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, she saved his life. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And then, and then what does Bick do next? He literally almost tries to tie his son onto the Big saddle horse. with the horse. Yeah. Yeah. And takes him and goes galloping off. He's crying like crazy. That kid is freaking out. Yeah, man. And all the all the Mexican servants are looking on with expressions of sadness and anger and, and shock. And shock. Yeah. It is horrible. It's a horrible scene. It really is. Because he's doing it because he's, once again, this archaic old school man thought, you're not going to embarrass me in front of my family. You're going to be a man. Yeah. At four years old. At four years old. <laughs> Kiss my ass, man. Yeah, it's it's crazy. Yeah. And that night, Leslie has a talk with him. She does, man. Yeah. And this has been building. Yeah. This she... has been building. Jordan, I think it would be a good idea. I took the children home for a visit. Home. This word home is really important. Because it's going to change later on in the movie. Yeah. You're homesick. I mean, if that's the way you want it. And of course, that's not the way she wants it. But that's what has to happen. Yeah. And I love the way it's shot, too, because she's kind of in shadows mm-hmm. at this moment. Mm-hmm. And then the decision is made, and we cut to the train. This is a gorgeous shot. Oh, yeah. He's standing. It says Benedict on the side, and the train pulls away, and he's left in that emptiness. Yeah. He's back to camera. It's a great, great moment, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. And we're back in Maryland, and we see David is now uh, riding with the sister. So that all worked out okay. Who's, who's grown. Yeah. yeah. And it's Thanksgiving time, so the kids are meeting a turkey. Oh, God. Which they named Pedro. Pedro. <laughs> I really don't like that. 
had an issue with that. It's weird. It's a weird thing. Yeah, it's they, weird. Like, yeah, why? Course. Because these are the white kids who are being mm-hmm. raised in the racist society by yeah. Mexican servants. Yeah. And they named the turkey Pedro. I tell you, this scene, I, I was like, this is why I don't have kids. <laughs> Those three kids irritated the shit out of me when they were. It is a funny doing. scene. It is because what happens next is we're going to carve that turkey oh. because it's dead, and the kids realize that that's Pedro. Yeah, and they wig out. Oh my god! And there's a really and then they, oh, they, they so go up to like the stairs with Leslie, and Leslie says, "Hey, I know you're upset, but sometimes you have to put a happy face on things when you're upset," mm. which is a weird moment because that's what she's been doing for the whole marriage. Yeah, exactly. You know, is trying to put the happy face on things that aren't working out so well and right then our servant comes in with a note from dad yeah and dad says i love you all very much yeah. and the kids cry even more mm-hmm. um he coming for dinner yeah is he coming for dinner what dinner the dinner you just cried about yeah yeah he's coming to eat pedro he loves eating pedro these kids man <laughs> they irritate the piss out of me and, and but you see what's happening because yeah. both bick and uh, uh leslie are headstrong people oh yeah so they're going to create children that are going to be sensitive and more independent and Look, headstrong the knowledge that the animal that you just named is now dinner that yeah. that is upsetting well the stupid grandma for saying yes that is pedro <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you and of course then we have the the parallel cut which is to go back to texas and yeah. see bick with his big turkey at his big table <laughs> all alone right and this mexican servant walking away just shaking his head going yep. i don't know what else to do here and now in maryland it's time for the sister to get married mm-hmm. and who shows up but bick, bick. Yeah, this is a great scene it I think is it's a great fantastic scene brother it really is because i'm you've been in, obviously you've been in a relationship for a very long time I these moments, these moments happen in relations, right? That you have to rediscover why you fell in oh, love yeah. with each other. Yeah, and it is. And what's interesting too is that we never saw their wedding. No, their wedding happened off camera. Yeah, that's and cool. so now we're here, and we see he watches Liz Taylor walk in as like the maid of honor, matron of honor or whatever in like a long lens as she goes by people, and he circles around the back to the other side, and he's standing behind her during the ceremony. We have a two shot with her in the foreground looking forward, yeah. not knowing that he's there. Mm-hmm. Him in the background looking at her while we hear the wedding vows. Yeah, we see the wedding couple, yep. her and him, yep. all in focus. And we hear and we hear the vows happening, yep. and we see on each of their faces them thinking about their marriage and all this stuff. It's right. really clear what's happening. Right. And then there's this weird moment where as they finally say, you know, the sort of the what God has put together, let yep. no man tear asunder, or whatever the line is is that she starts to feel something behind her almost, and she starts to turn, and she does, and you're like, oh my God, is she going to turn? And then finally she does turn, and they see each other. Yeah. And it is a marriage. Mm -hmm. You know? I mean, it's a a really... It's one of the best scenes in the movie, I think. Yeah. And almost all done silently. Like, their embrace is so perfect. Oh, it's beautiful. And And she says to him, she says, he says, I I miss you, I want you back, this cat, oh, you would come back to old... And she says... Uh, yeah, but but I haven't changed. Like I'm still the same person. Blah blah blah. And he goes, "Well, us Texans, we like a little vinegar in our greens." Which is <laughs> it's a funny line. It is. I mean, it's still. What's funny about it is like he still doesn't. She's. We all think she's right. You know. Of course. And but he goes, "You're just a pain in the ass." But right. I. But it's okay. But yeah, it's okay for you to be wrong and a pain in the ass. And she goes, I, "Which you know what? Again, this is marriage too. Yeah. It's like at some point you just have to go." I accept whatever <laughs> this is because the good sides are better. Right. They mean um, more. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> back at uh, Jet's place at Little Rietta, there's a big drill. Yes. Yep. 
And now we're back in Texas. We see the biggest bull <laughs> that anyone's ever seen. I love, I think Uncle Bolly's. insane. It's a crazy looking bull. And yeah, they talk dude. about what a great, and Uncle Bolly's line is. By the time Vic finishes his breeding program, he's going to have an animal that's 99% beef and the rest exaggeration. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is a really funny line. And now the, the drill is running with Jet. And we look at, now we get a wide shot of the house and there's all this grass around it. And this is this thing we're going to see throughout the movie is over time, we're going to see the changes to Riata. And she makes that place flourish. She does. Yeah. She does. Um, and, we, and, and it modernizes too because we're going through time. And we have this intercutting between Jet and the drill and them at mm-hmm. the house. We see that Jet is driving through their land in his truck, which Bick does not like. Nope. But there's nothing they can do to stop him because he has an easement or something like yeah. that. Then we're back at the drill and the gusher comes in. Yeah, man. It's great. It's a great scene. Yeah, Iconic. and the way it gets dark and the, yeah. and all of a sudden he's covered with oil, which is molasses, by the way. Oh, wow. Um, it's a really, really good scene. Mm-hmm. And then Jet drives that truck right across the beautiful grass and flower beds straight up to the front of them. And James Dean's performance is off the hook. Yeah. It is just weird and slurred and peculiar and all James Dean. My welcome in, babe. <laughs> Fine. Everybody thought I had a duster? Well, I'm here to tell you it ain't, boy. It's here. And there ain't a dang thing you're going to do about it. We never know why he has such a hatred of Bick. Nope. We don't. Or nope. the Benedicts. I mean, I think we get the sense that he's been in the poor family in the shadow of the rich family for generations. Yeah, why is he stuck around, though? Because he loves Texas. No, but I mean, stuck around around that family. He could have probably lived someplace I don't else. Know. It's a, it's really weird. I know it's an interesting it, situation. He has such, and it's. I mean, it, what he does in this moment is so messed up. Yeah. Because first of all, he's like, "I'm rich, and you can't mess with me anymore." Right. Right. That's the first thing, and and he even has this line that's, um, "Me, I'm gonna have more money than you ever thought you could have." You and all the rest, you stinking sons of Benedicts. Which is basically saying sons of bitches. Yep. You know? Yep. And then what does he do next? He hits on Leslie, man. He hits on her big time. The ugly way, too. Yeah. Well, you sure do look pretty, Miss Leslie. You always did look pretty. Just pretty not good enough to eat. I mean, going in front of a man's wife and saying, you sure look pretty. Yeah. You look good enough to eat. Mm. No. Yeah. That is not cool. That's a sexual illusion. No, I, I look. I'm a pass. I'm a peaceful man. You are. But if someone just walked up to my wife randomly, it's dripping in molasses. Dripping in molasses. Called me a son of a Benedict, or <laughs> and then said my wife looked good enough to eat. I think this is grounds to hit a person. Absolutely. And Pick does hit him. He does. And then what happens next is fascinating. Yeah. Because the guys pull Bick off of him and they're holding him and. James Dean just cold cold cocks. Jet gets three shots in before he leaves. Three, yeah. One in the face and two in the stomach. Yeah. And one one of the ones in the stomach is fairly low. Yeah, it is. It could be a low blow. Good call. Uh, I don't know. And then he jumps, basically laughing, and jumps in the truck and drives away. Yeah. That is messed up. And this is where I'm I'm still riveted Mm -hmm. to to Jet Rink Mm -hmm. and James Dean's portrayal of him. But I don't like this guy. No. No. I mean, at the beginning of the movie, I was like, oh, this is an interesting guy. Now I'm like, no, I don't like him. Yeah, because he seemed like an underdog. Yep. And now when his well came in and he's not an underdog financially, yeah, uh, he's even bigger dick. Yeah, yeah. He, and he's going to move. There, he's going to do almost nothing redeeming yeah. throughout the rest of the film. Yeah, Still be interesting. Yeah. 
And and this is the part where after this he becomes a guest star in the film. Yeah. Because he, he shows up only in random scenes. Well, honestly, he's not in the film. I mean, this is a film about Leslie and Bick, really. Right, right. You know, course, James Dean's character is a much smaller character. Right, but he's in the first, up, up until this point, he's in the film a lot more than he is after this point. Yeah. And as he drives away, Uncle Bali says, you should have shot that fellow a long time ago. Now he's too rich to kill. Now he's too rich to kill. Yeah. Oh and my. this brings us to what I believe is the intermission. That we ah, that oh, this is the intermission that makes of, sense of of uh, of giant totally makes sense. So I think this is where we're going to stop our part one okay. of our exploration of giant. Uh, I don't know if we want to do final thoughts. Do you have anything you want to mention? Say before we no I'm, take I'm, a break. I'm waving a jet rink right now as you're driving away. <laughs> we're on that porch with him with uh, Bink. We uh, certainly Bink set up a lot more tension about what's going to happen next with mm -hmm. a rich jet rink mm -hmm. and this enmity that has grown even stronger. Bick has so much to deal with in this movie. I think that's why another reason why I feel like sympathy for him throughout the film is because so much is thrown at him that he didn't expect. And yes, he's a racist. And yes, he's a bit of a dick. He's a misogynist, obviously, or a chauvinist. But he also gives in to Leslie a lot. And so that's his redeeming character. His love for Leslie well, redeems you, him. You're absolutely right. Is he grow? He has grown already, mm -hmm. and he's going to grow more. Yeah, exactly. You know, um, and so that's the end of our part one of Giant. Please come back next week, and you're going to hear part two. As always, you can find us on our Facebook page and leave a comment there. You can visit us, uh, visit our website at cinephiles.net, and maybe you'll buy Giant or stream it. Remember, you can always click on there's an Amazon link where you can go to Amazon Prime and stream any of these movies as well if you want to rent them. You can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. Stitcher, YouTube, all these other places. Review us on iTunes. Leave comments on YouTube. If you want to suggest a film, you can do so on our website, mm -hmm. patreon.com slash the cinephiles, and you can always reach me at SR Morris. John, where could they reach you? You can always reach me at the Rokazes on Twitter and on Instagram and see all the things I'm doing there. Uh and yeah, that's this is a fun part one. Yep. And we'll see you next week for part two of Giant.